Welcome everybody from all around the world. Welcome to this podcast, Escaping the Entanglements of Our Lives. You got yours, and I've got mine. I'm your host, I'm Dolphus Q. I'm the originator and the creator of this podcast. Now, our lives, yours and mine's, are easily entangled with things, both real and imaginary. Now, some of these things are malignant. Some of these things are benign. But all of these things can affect and do affect our minds. A lot of a lot of uh, entanglement starts early. They take roots, <laughs> and they never, and they never, never let us go. A lot of stuff that happens when we are mere babies follow us for the rest of our lives. But I maintain that we can escape. Yes, it's possible to escape the entanglements of our lives. Now, if you're following me, then you know that this podcast is my method of dealing with one of the major entanglements of my life. And you know what I'm doing. I'm reading and writing my book before your very ears. <laughs> I'm escaping one of the major entanglements of my life, and I'm having fun as I do it. Of course, having fun is another way to escape entanglements of our lives. So I encourage everybody to laugh every day. (laughs) If you can. But now, I want to say that you can reach me at DolphusQ at Yahoo.com of QDolphus at gmail.com We would love to hear from you how you dealing with the entanglements of your own lives. But now, as the walrus said, the time has come. Yes, my friends all around the world, the time has come for the reading of the word. Episode 4. Chapter 4. A perfect place to camp out. Sunbolo was still asleep when I lifted my head. I peered through the window at the door. It was still dark outside, but I could see a lift in the lid of darkness. 
I began to hear chirps from birds on the branches of the trees, perhaps on the strands of barbed wire. I went over to the compartment where some bolo slept. Hey, man, wake up. It's almost daylight. It didn't take him long to clear his mind. He climbed down from the compartment and looked out the window. Come on, let's get out of here before anyone arrives. He told me to go first. I wasted no time. I was out the door like a fastball. I climbed up the fence and scampered up the slope to the tracks like a hound dog was on my trail. Sunbolo seemed to take forever to come. I started back to see what kept him. Then I saw him at the fence. I watched him climb up the fence, then down the slope and up again to the tracks where I stood. He held something in his hand. Look what I found. What I saw was a pair of pliers. These might come in handy. He pushed the pliers into his hip pocket. He took out his cigarettes and fired up one. Man, the first cigarette of the day is so unbeatable. I'll sell for a cup of coffee, I said. You're going to have to hold off on that coffee, said Sunbolo. I plan to stay on these tracks for a while. That train that came through last night may have stopped for freight. The tracks twisted and turned as we traversed a vast stretch of steel rails that ran across railroad tires on a bed of gravel that led through a patch of backwoods that seemed hundreds of miles from civilization. Sunbolo marched on the shiny steel rails at a steady pace. The soles of my shoes scuffed against the gravel and wooden railroad tires. Birds called from the trees. Slivers of sunlight began to reflect off the tops of the shiny steel rails that stretched out in front of us. I looked back over my shoulder. Finger-like beams of sunlight shined through the leaves of the trees. I told Sunbolo it seemed like we had come a long ways in a short time. That's because we got the jump on the sun, he said, and the sun has not risen high enough to zap up our energy. I could not expound on his theory, but after we marched a while longer, I expounded on my experience at the window as I watched the train last night. You know, son Bolo, I think I could have made it. I think I could have caught that train on the fly last night. Son Bolo maintained a steady pace. Is that so? Yeah, I watched that train from the engine to the caboose. It moved at a constant speed but not so swift that I couldn't read what was written on the walls of every car. Hmm, said Sunbolo. And what car did you see to catch? I paused. I was confused. What do you mean? 
what car did I see? I saw the train. Son Bolo stopped and looked down at me. What car on the train did you see that you could catch? Did you see a boxcar? A gondola? A tanker? A flat car? What car did you see that you could catch on the fly? I stood speechless. I offered not a word of defense. Son Bolo shook his head, then stared at me like I was covered with filth. I knew I should not have hooked up with a greenhorn. You think you know, but you don't know shit. He turned on his heels like he was disgusted and marched off in a huff. I didn't attempt to catch up with him. I didn't want to rile him up any farther for fear it would kill my hope to reach Los Angeles. I trailed behind him at what I thought was a safe distance. I kicked at the gravel and cross tires. Sun Bolo marched steadily ahead. The sun cleared the tops of the trees behind me. My shadow laid flat on the tracks as the temperature increased by degrees. The air became hot and humid too. Sun Bolo paused to pull off his t-shirt and draped it around his head, around his waist. His dark skin glistened with sweat and reflected sunlight like a mirror as he continued his march. I paused to take a deep breath and to wipe sweat from my forehead. Sunbolo seemed miles ahead, and the distance steadily grew. Suddenly, I deemed it wiser to catch up with him. I had to run to do it, and the run taxed my reserve of energy. I caught up with him. I breathed hard. Man, you're out of shape, he said. This little dab of walking is killing you. I didn't say anything. Frankly, I didn't have the breath. I matched his steps as he marched ahead on the rails, a dab faster like he fostered an intention to show how out of shape I was. I sweated like the world was a sauna and the devil poured water over the stones. My mouth hung open like the mouth of a tired, hot dog. The distance between us began to grow again. I was ready to throw up my hands when Sun Bolo stopped ahead and sat down on a silver box that was close to the tracks. When I reached him, he smoked a cigarette. Take a break, man. No need killing yourself to get there. Los Angeles ain't going nowhere. I flopped down next to the silver box. There was a little shade from a nearby clump of trees. I wanted a cool drink of water. Hey, Joe. Man, look at your shoes, said some bolo. No wonder you've been dragging behind. I looked. One of the soles had broken away from the toe and gapped open like the mouth of a dog. Joe, this gravel is hard on leather. The best way to beat it is with a shoe with a rubber sole. Why didn't you say something? I was startled by his question. 
I shook my head. I didn't see the use. I figured nothing could be done, so I wagged with what was. Sanbolo said we would abandon the tracks at the next crossing. He figured the crossing would lead us to a town, and there we could get lucky and find a pair of shoes. He told me to remove the shoe. He looked very carefully at it, like a shoemaker might do. I think I can fix up something that might work, said Sanbolo, and removed the pliers from his pocket. He found a piece of wire and a nail. Then he gripped the head of the nail with the pliers and used the point of the nail to twist a hole into the toe and sole of the shoe. Then he ran the wire through the holes and wired the sole and toe together. That should hold for a while. I put the shoe back on and stood up. I felt a slight tightness and walked back and forth. Is it better? I got no complaints. One thing about being a hobo, Sanbolo said, you never forget what you learn, and you learn how to make do. Sanbolo stopped and stood at the crossing. A highway ran across the railroad tracks from east to west. Sanbolo stared for a while in both directions, first the east, then the west. I didn't see any signs of human life in either direction. One thing is sure, they both lead somewhere. Shh, Sanbolo retorted with fingers across his lips. Be quiet, I'm trying to pick up on the right vibes to the right road to take. He looked quickly in both directions again, then up at the sun with his eyes closed. Let's go this way. His voice came sudden, so much so until I jumped like someone had shouted boo behind my back and the dog. We began to march again. I knew the road had to lead to something, but it could be miles before it did. The road before us looked like a deserted country road, a simple two-lane black top with barely any shoulders on either side, which were thick with palmettos, green underbrush, and cypress trees. As we marched and looked, I thought of rattlesnakes and alligators. I saw no mile markers, but after at least five miles, the road curved ahead of us. It seemed to me we were headed deeper into the wilderness. But as soon as we came out of the curve, I saw signs of human life. A 7-Eleven convenience store and a traffic light. Sambolo asked me if I had enough money to buy him a cold beer. I did and headed inside the store. He headed to a shady spot nearby. I bought drinks and something to eat. The clerk told me I was... Just outside of Jupiter, I asked him about the yard. He had no idea what I meant when I explained what the yard was. As near as I knew, still he didn't know. The only train he knew about was the Amtrak. Sambolo decided to stay on the highway. 
He said we would make better time, especially with my shoe being wired together. It didn't take us long to wind our way to US-1. The sun was at the high noon position. Sun Bolo marched like the heat didn't bother him. I kept pace with him to prove I could take the heat too. I didn't speak. I watched heat waves wriggle up from the surface of the highway in the distance. If we speed up, said Sambolo, we could be halfway there before the sun goes down. Halfway to where, I asked. Hell? This ain't nothing, Sambolo laughed. You just wait until we start across Death Valley. I knew of Death Valley from the episodes of Death Valley Days I had watched on television. In those commercials for the program, a team of 20 mules pull wagon loads of borax across the vast wasteland of sand and grassless mountains. The landscape looked empty and devoid of any life other than the 20 mules and two men on the wagon. We have to cross Death Valley? I asked with alarm in my voice and visible in my eyes. Yes, Sun Bolo answered. We are on the southern route and we must cross it to reach Los Angeles. If you can't stand this heat, I don't see how you stand that heat. Sunbolo speeded up. So did I. I was determined to keep pace with him. When the sun went down, we were in a place called Fort Salonero. No, Salero. No. I had survived the worst of the day and went beyond the limits of my endurance. Sunbolo's thoughts were elsewhere. He repeated half aloud and more to himself than me, a good spot, a good safe spot, a good spot, a good safe spot. I kept quiet and thought he sought those vibes again. I felt like this was a part of a ritual, a rain dance or some chant for healing. But it wasn't long after he began, a small script mall came into view. Then almost hidden behind the script mall, we spotted what used to be a roadside motel. Some of the structure had been burned down to the concrete floor, some still blackened from the smoke, some untouched, but what remained of the hidden motel looked abandoned and deserted. Sunbolo looked at the motel and smiled. This looks like a perfect place to camp out. Come on, let's find us a good spot. And thus, we have came, come to the end of another episode. I ask everyone all around the world to join us again next time for another episode of Escaping the Entanglements of Our Lives. So long, everybody.